You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. You're listening across the Real Presence Radio Network. My name is Nathan Sather, and you're joining you from the Fargo studio here, where it's a little cool and rainy, but things are going to heat up a little bit uh, with our next guest. We're going to have Steve Ray talk a little bit about Abraham and part three of our study in Genesis. And Steve, before I, I bring you on, I just want you to know, uh, my children love the footprints of God. And when I asked them last night for prayers, I said, what do you want me to make sure I mention to Steve Ray? And it's in the David one where you keep pouring the oils over your head to identify that he's been, you know, uh, anointed. And I cannot tell you how important it is for me to hand on my Catholic faith to my children. And I honestly don't think there's been anything that's more engaging, more Catholic, more funny, more bringing them into discussion and talking about their Catholic faith and identifying themselves not just as Christians, but specifically as Catholic Christians, intellectually, your humor, the way you bring all these things together. I can't thank you enough for what you do, and it truly is a joy for me to be able to interview you on the radio. Steve, welcome to Real Presence Live. Well, thank you, Nathan. You just made my heart sing. Um, yeah, when we made those movies, uh, we've got nine of them so far, Abraham and Moses and David and Solomon and Elijah and Elisha, Mary, Jesus, Peter, Paul, and Apostolic Fathers. It's taken us 20 years to make these, and I made them exactly for what you just said, which is why my heart sings to hear you say that, because somebody said, who is the audience for these movies you're making? I said, the Catholic family. They're for families to share together, for kids to learn the faith and learn about Jesus and the Church and the whole story of the Bible. And I want families to be good Catholics and raise their kids that way. So what you just said was unsolicited by me, from this, so everybody knows. And I really appreciate that because it shows that what we set out to do has, is being effective. Yeah, and it, it is a true uh, blessing, there's no doubt. Uh, you also came for a Real Presence Radio Banquet, and uh, my mom came. And my mom, after you were done speaking, was like, oh, wow, he's just wonderful. <laughs> and, and I <laughs> well, think, thank you. I think the topic that you're talking about today with Abraham is the Footprints of God movie that I learned the most from. I, I sat down the first time after watching it and was shocked at how little I actually knew. And you brought those things to life typologically, so we'll just get right into it. Um, a huge topic. This is an important part of our of our Lenten journey. Uh, certainly, Abraham made a journey. Where would you like to kick off and begin, Steve? Well, I mean, just like you said, we, we know so little about Abraham, and people don't realize that he was not a Christian. He wasn't a Jew. He wasn't an Israelite. None of those things. He was a pagan. He worshipped pagan gods in a land called the Chaldeans or the, of Ur, Mesopotamia, which is over on the other side. It's in Iraq of today, basically. That's, it's in Iraq of today. That's where Abram, and his name wasn't Abraham, it was Abram for the first, 70, first 99 years. And he lived there, and he worshipped pagan gods. Uh, he worshipped the god Nana, the god of the moon, was the one that they worshipped. They had these big pyramids, they called ziggurats. And they would go there and bring their offerings to Nana, the god of the moon. And even in Joshua chapter 24, 
It says, the Lord is, Joshua speaking, it said, Thus says the Lord, long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor, and they served other gods. People don't realize that about Abraham. And then Abraham gets called by this God of glory, and he leaves his homeland and travels 1,700 miles with camels. (laughs) It almost sounds insane. It does. Now, and it's not like God set, gave him the deed for the land. See, you or I, we would have said, okay, God, well, okay, you want me to travel where? Well, you just start going. I'll tell you where to stop. But I want to see it on GPS and a map. Uh, there are no GPSs and maps. You just start going in that direction. And when you get there, I'll tell you to stop. Not knowing that it was going to be 1,700 miles the whole journey. Yeah. Can, can, the, can the I pause average, you real quick, Steve? Yeah, What sure. What do you think, I mean, again... The way you describe him as a pagan, what do you think was it about Abraham that had him listening, right? He had to be listening for this particular God to tell him to do something and respond to it. Do you have any insight on what that, how that might have came to be? Well, I think it took God a while to find someone like Abraham, and, and he, he was listening, but God was looking for someone who was listening. Mm. And the, because so, Noah had gone and he got off the ark and went right in, got drunk and everything started going right downhill again, (laughs) you know. And so God's saying, oh, I can just see God scratching his head in heaven and say, what am I going to do now? Let's see, we got to find a new, like we're going to start a new covenant. I've got to find a man who will, I can build this on. It's got to be an incredible man because I'm going to build on him. And Abraham is the foundation of everything we do now as Christians, even. He's the foundation of all of the land of Israel and the people of the Jews. Jesus came from his loin, and then the whole Christianity is built on this one man. So God had to find someone who was willing to do that. I think he looked at his heart. And three times in the Bible, by the way, it says that Abraham was the friend of God, the only person ever in the Bible that says that he's a friend of God. So Abraham... He didn't, I would have said that. I would say, look, if I'm going to go and leave my homeland here, I, I at least want to know what kind of health insurance I'm going to have when I get there. <laughs> what kind of a pension? I mean, I want some guaranteed, I want some legal documents. I'm going to go to my attorney and have him write it up, and then you can sign it, God. And But he didn't do that. He trusted God. I, I like this, Nathan. I, I, I know I, re- I read this in the... Um, while I'm leading a camel away in the movie, there's a poem that I just, because Abraham has lived there for 75 years in Ur, U-R, that's how they spell it, U-R. He'd lived there in Iraq, and he, this is where his ancestors are buried. This is his god, none of the god of the moon. Everybody worshipped him. This is where his whole life was. He's got flocks and herds and 318 men who work for him. He's got big business there. And he says to God, am I, this is, supposition, of course. We don't know he said this, but I'm at least thinking it. Am I supposed to scuttle my life upon the road to some mumbled nowhere? In ten generations since the flood, you've spoken to no one. Now, like thunder on a clear day, you give commands, pull up my tent, desert my home, leave the graves of my ancestors. You come late, Lord. You come very late. But my camels will leave in the morning. Yeah, that's awesome. That holy indifference, right? That that being open to what God desires of you and being able to do, as Mother Angelica would say, the ridiculous so God can do the miraculous. Like that's, that's yes. 
when, when you talk about Abraham being a father of faith in, in, in your um, Footprints of God movie, it, that type of stuff that you do, Steve, makes it so concrete and real. God's asking me to be an Abraham. He's asking all of us to be Abraham. Yep. That's, that's exactly right, because he is a model for us. And he's held up in the Bible as a model for us. He had weaknesses. He, he had foibles. He doubted at times. He waffled in his faith. But God still worked with him, just like David in the movie we made of David. David committed adultery and murder, and yet God says, he's a man after my own heart. How can God say that about David? Because David, even though he was a great sinner, was also a great repenter. And Abraham, even though he waffled in his faith sometimes and said, let it be Ishmael, why don't you just let, I'm 99 years old, Sarah's 89. You say I'm going to have a son? Have you seen Sarah lately? Come on, God, how in the world? And, and he said, just let Ishmael be the one. God says, no, it's going to come from your wife, Sarah. And so even though he waffled and he doubted at times, he, in the long run, he held on to God with both hands. He just grasped God and didn't let go. And God then honored him for it, gave him as an example to us, and calls Abraham his friend. Yeah, yeah, it's just... It's, it's beyond remarkable, and we got about three minutes here. I want to tell you a short story. Uh, I was at an event that had some Protestant pastors at it, and Abraham got brought up, and I was going through the typology of Abraham taking Isaac up the mountain with the wood on his back, doing all the typology for Jesus. And uh-huh. when, when the event was on a break, we were talking about it in the hallway, and this Protestant pastor came to me. He's like, I've never heard anything that could make sense of that. And so, obviously, he's huh. been through seminary, right? And I said, well, what, yeah. what do they teach you about it in seminary? And he's like, well, basically, we're just told when it came to that part, well, you have to trust God. What God wants, you have to do. And I was like, really? I mean, that sounds much more <laughs> you know, Islamic than it does Christian. And he's yeah. like, I've never been able to reconcile why God would do something so ridiculous until you just mentioned that to me. That's one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard. So, wow. the, I, I think you're right. Like this, we have almost like an Abraham dark spot in, in our faith that we, I don't know why, we just don't know this as well. And so, the work that you've done in this area is just beneficial to, to extreme means. I just, I can't emphasize that enough, Steve. Well, I sure appreciate that. I I also was a Protestant for the first 39 years of my life, and I also never heard anything like that or of Mary being the Ark of the Old Covenant or any of these typological things. And there was some typology in Protestantism, but very minimal. And by becoming Catholic, it just opened the whole Bible up to me as a much richer and deeper book ever that I could experience as I did as a Protestant. The, the Catholic Church is so rich and elegant and wise, and, it, and in, in her deposit of faith, all of these wonderful things are there. We just have to discover them again. I think that we've lost them in the last 20, 30, 40 years, but we're rediscovering them again, and the whole story of Abraham and the meaning for us today is, is stunning. Yeah, yeah. And that, so that 1,700-mile that journey, where did Abraham end up, Steve? He ended up in Haran, which is in Turkey of today, until his father died, and then he continued the journey down what's called the Fertile Crescent, 
following the Euphrates, Tigris and Euphrates River, because if he would have gone just straight across from Iraq to the land of Canaan or Israel, it was a desert, a huge desert, you know, so the Arabian Desert, so he had to follow the river up into Turkey, stayed in Haran for a while, his father died, and then he came down into what's called Canaan, or what we would call Israel today. If you figure 1,700 miles, they traveled roughly 20 miles a day, divide 20 miles into 1,700 miles, and you get how many days it took them to travel. 850, math in public? I'm kind of scared. Or yep. no, no, 85, I, 85. Math 85 in public. Days, that's <laughs> yep, so that's over two months of traveling, sun up to uh, sundown with tents and camels, and uh, what, a jo- what a job. But he did it. He had faith uh, in God. That's why he's called the father of faith and not and- And we'll come back on the other side of the break, and we'll pick that up there. You're listening to Real Presence Live across the Real Presence radio network. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence radio network. S.J. Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, S.J. Machine strives to understand and meet our customers' production needs. Prototype to production, working together towards success. S.J. Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, the Director of Advancements for Real Presence Radio with today's Plan Giving Minute. Philanthropy is an expression of your generosity with the understanding that your gift to the church will make a difference. There are many ways in which you can make a gift to further God's work. Most of us are familiar with cash gifts we give regularly to Real Presence Radio. However, another way of contributing is through Plan Giving, which may allow you to give more than you've ever dreamed possible. The goal of plan giving is to help you plan your estate and charitable giving in a way that benefits you, your family, and our mission. There are several ways you can make these plan gifts and enjoy tax and income benefits. For more information, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. The Mustard Seed Catholic Store is South Dakota's place to purchase Catholic books, gifts, and decor. With locations in Rapid City and Sioux Falls, we are here to provide you with gifts for the Catholic occasions in your life. From baptism to First Communion, confirmation to weddings, and ordinations, we pride ourselves in having local artists share their creative talents, making rosaries, crucifixes, artwork, coffee, and books. We are located in Rapid City on Main Street, in the new Diocesan Building, or in Sioux Falls on Grange Avenue across from Costco. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. You're listening across the Real Presence Radio Network. My name is Nathan Sather, joining you from the Fargo studio, and I'm joined in this segment by Steve Ray, who is... All in all, just a very knowledgeable, faithful person that's put out so many resources that benefit us as Catholics to learn our faith better. And we're talking here in our third segment, or our, our part three of our study on Genesis, talking about Abraham and Sarah. And I'm going to ask you a, a, a trivia question, Steve, which I'm, I'm 
pretty sure you're going to nail down. But uh, when was it that God first walked the earth with all six of his feet? Yes, I love to ask people that riddle because it, it was, <laughs> they have a baffled look on their face. Face. Well, there, there's a passage with Je- uh, Abraham. He's sitting in the tent, in the doorway of his tent in, at the noon. It's very hot there, by the way, in Hebron. I've been to all these places many times, and it can be really hot in Hebron there in the summer. And he's sitting in the doorway of his tent out of the sun, and he looks up, and it doesn't say that he sees them walking, but all of a sudden there's three men standing there in front of him. And they, we are told uh, by the fathers of the church, some of them, uh, that, that it's this word, Augustine said, if three men appeared and not one of them is greater in age or form or power, then why shouldn't we understand here the equality of the Trinity? St. Ambrose says, we see here the Trinity typified. They are three men, but adored as one, and he keeps going on. So when these three travelers come to Abraham, he refers to them as Lord. Not lords, but one lord, and yet there's three. So they come to him, and they tell him that he's going to have a son this time next year. And Sarah laughs. She's in the tent, eavesdropping. You can just see her there with her ear pressed against the canvas <laughs> of the, of the, and she's listening. And she and she hears them say that Sarah's going to give birth to a son. Well, Sarah's eighty nine years old, so you can understand why she laughed. Really, I'm going to have a son. I'm going to have that pleasure at this age. And God says, "Why did Sarah laugh?" And Sarah said, I didn't laugh, and he said, yes, you did. Ended up being, by the way, the baby was born Isaac, which means laughter. But in this passage, um, I think that God came down to see Abraham because he he was building so much upon this man. He was putting, like, all of his eggs in one basket, so to speak, in this one guy. And I think it was important enough that they came down to visit him, but they were also going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because of its sin. But the fact that he came down to see Abraham, and what did Abram do? It says that Abram, and if you look at the action words in those few first few verses, he rushed to get the fatted calf. He hurried to Sarah and said, make bread. He ran to do this. He hurried to do that. He rushed to do that to take care of the Lord who had appeared. Later on, Jesus would come, and the Jews tried to kill him, and he says, for what are you trying to kill me? They said, you were, if you, if you, he said, if you were of your father Abraham like you claim to be, you would do what Abraham did. He welcomed me. You're trying to kill me. What was Jesus referring to? I think Jesus, when he said, you are not the sons of Abraham, because if you did, you would have done what the sons of Abraham, what Abraham did. Well, what did Abraham do? When the Lord came to him, and he rushed to feed him and take care of him and wash his feet and get the fatted calf and make dinner for him. Oh, he just rushed to do it. But when Jesus came to the Jews later, they tried to kill him. So you see the parallels going on back and forth with the Old and the New Testaments. It's so important. You don't even know what Jesus means when he says, what did, what did Abraham do unless you know this story? And it's based on yeah. this story. And Abram gets a name change, too. His name was Abram, which is kind of a cruel name, Nathan. It's, it's kind of a cruel name because the, he doesn't have any sons, and he's, nine, he's 75 years old when God calls him. And his name is Abram, which means father. So somebody comes up and says, hello, how are you? Fine, what's your name? My name is Abram. Oh, that means father. Where are your kids? I don't have any. <laughs> and then... And then when he's 99 years old, it gets worse because then God changes his name to Abraham, 
which means father of nations. And now, who are you? I'm Abraham. Oh, father of nations. Where is all your clan and your family? I don't have any kids. So, but then God gives him a son. A year later, when he's 100 years old, he gets a son, Isaac, who is the son of the promise. And another thing I should bring up here that just shows the faith and the obedience of Abraham is he's 99 years old when God comes and he says, okay, now I'm going to confirm my my covenant with you for 25 years. You've done what I told you to do, even though there's been problems, whatever. You still followed through and you obeyed me and you loved me and you obeyed what I said. Now I'm going to give you a sign of the covenant. And Abraham, I'm thinking, oh, finally I'm going to get something good out of this deal. I don't have a son yet, and I'm 100 years old. I don't have the land yet, which is promised. I don't even own one inch of it. And now he's finally going to come and give me a sign of the covenant. What is the sign of the covenant, God? And God hands him a flint (laughs) knife and says, circumcise yourself. And not only you, but all 318 men who work for you. Now, Nathan, I can imagine God, Abraham calling all his men in from the field, and he says this. He says, men, God has just talked to me and given me a covenant. Now, what do you want first, the good news or the bad news? Yeah. <laughs> the first news is God's given us a sign of the covenant. The bad news is you're all going to have to line up. <laughs> it's going to be painful. Because well, he didn't have the uh, It's a flint knife, for heaven's sake. There's no alcohol. There's no anesthetic, anything. It's just that can you, whenever I talk about this, the men in the room always cross their legs and they go, "Oh, change the subject." <laughs> well, and I I just talked about this maybe a week or so ago with my older children, um, talking about the consequences of our actions and how remorseful must Abraham have been to know that it was his own sexual impropriety that caused that to happen, and he's got to do this 318 times, 318 reminders of how he was not faithful to God. Yep, that's true. And it was a sign of, and and nowadays it's much easier because circumcision is replaced by baptism. That's what we learned from Paul in the book of Colossians, that what was done in the flesh like that to Abraham is now done much easier for us through water baptism. That That is the removal of the body of death by being baptized, dying to our old self and being ris- risen in new life to Christ. So, yes, it's, it was, I can, that chapter 17 there is just uh, quite a chapter. The word, I think, circumcision is used 20 times in that chapter. It really makes the point. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the things I enjoy the most about Abraham and I, well, obviously the Isaac account and the typology of it is just beyond beautiful, especially when the ram is stuck in the thicket. And, you know, Abraham says that God will provide a lamb, but he doesn't provide the lamb. He provides the ram, right? So there's all that future typology there. But the one that I enjoy the most, I think it's either 12 or 15. I can't remember which chapter where God takes Abraham outside and says, you know, count the stars if you can, so will your descendants be. And so I I hate the children's stories or the children's books that always show Abraham like he's looking up at the night sky and it's like, it's just hard, right? Like it's just hard to count all these stars. But if you read it carefully, he's going outside in the daytime. So it's an exercise of faith, right? Do you, you know, the stars are there, Abraham, but you can't count them because it's the daytime. Do you trust me? And it, to me, that's a much more deeper understanding of what God asks of us when he asks us to step out in faith. Because we know it's there, we know we can be successful, we just have to trust him to do the work and be docile to what he asks of us. 
And that account yep. doesn't come across well in the children's book where Abraham is just having a difficult time counting stars. Yeah, and, and who's to say at 100 years old he had good enough eyes to even do that? I mean, I have to wear my glasses <laughs> to count the stars, and they didn't have glasses back then. And even now, with, with good eyesight, the estimate is that you can count about 3,000 stars in the night sky if it's, it's dark enough and you have good enough eyes. But yes, that's all your points well taken. And I, I, I know our time is short, but I just want to make sure that people know that he is also a saint. And we can refer to him as Saint Abraham, Saint Isaac, and Saint Jacob. And the Eastern Church does this, but we in the West have not done so much. We have pretty much ignored that. But in paragraph, Catechism, paragraph 61, the patriarchs, and in there you could say Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and David, and the prophets, and certain other Old Testament figures have been and always will be honored as saints in all the Church's liturgical traditions, so that they are considered by the Church to be saints, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So St. Abraham, pray for us, we can really say that. And we know that because Jesus canonized them, because he said in uh, Matthew 8, Many will come from east to west and sit at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of God. In other words, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are in the kingdom of God, feasting there, and therefore they're saints. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, tell us a little bit about the end of his life before we have to depart you, Steve. Well, after uh, next week, we're going to, um, next month, I'm sorry, we're going to be talking about the, the offering of Isaac, and we're going to spend a whole time just on that, because it's the pinnacle of everything. And after that, God never tests him again. God just lets him live out his life. He never tests him again. He dies at a ripe old age. Sarah dies before him, and he is buried in the Machpelah, which is still there today, which you saw in the movie, that big building that was built by Herod the Great, and it's still, it's the only building that he built that is still completely standing, and we go in there and we see the place where Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are buried with their wives, and um, then his son, grandson, Jacob, really picks up the story and carries it the rest of the way through Genesis. He's just a remarkable character. And by the way, Nathan, I'm leaving Sunday. We are taking a group of 57 people to Israel. Israel has dropped all its uh, vaccine requirements now, and I've got a sold-out group of 57. We're going to Israel. We're going to be walking in all the places that we talked about today. Awesome. I, I love how you do that. Um, what what a, a just a brilliant and, and impactful ministry that you provide there with those things, Steve. How, how can people get information for the next one? CatholicConvert.com. We have five seats left in May, but those will be selling fast. We've got three more groups to Israel going at the end of the year. We've got two trips to Oberammergau, the Passion Play. We've got a St. Paul cruise going through Turkey and Greece, all the biblical sites. And all my movies are all for sale on my website, too, CatholicConvert.com. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure we have all of them, unless you've made a new one in the last you know, couple of years or whatnot. We bought the whole set from, I think it was Ignatius. Your work is tremendous. As a Catholic father, I love it. I, my kids love it. My daughter, Kimberly, especially wants to say thank you to you. So thank you, Steve, for all well, the work you, you do. Well, would you please tell your kids I said hello and to Kimberly as well. Tell them I said hello and God bless them and happy Easter. Yeah, you too, Steve. And we'll come back on the other side of this break with a special guest. <laughs> 